Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 320. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. We got a weird show this week. Like, I, an actually weird show this week. Um, <laughs> um, first, we'll get into news. I mean, the news won't be that weird. I mean, it, it will be the stuff, updates on some things that we've talked about before. We got another Dragon Quest Champions update. We're going to talk about financials of Dragon Quest Champion. Everybody's so excited. <laughs> um, uh, but we do have one game announcement for the West, specifically a localization of an old game, actually, that I, I thought would worth be worth bringing up. It's a game that I've been aware of for a while, but I didn't know anything about it. So I was just kind of surprised to see it uh, getting localized. But no no game is safe, although a weird number of games stay in Japan. Um, I also uh, bought some games, so I think uh, that's what we're probably going to start with today. It's just kind of going through some of those game purchases and stuff. And then lastly, I went to the Video Game and Mental Health Wellness Summit here in Las Vegas. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about that because going into that, I had no idea what that was going to be. Uh, so I was very curious, and then I got there, and uh, it was kind of everything I expected it to be, maybe, in a way that I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, these things, I don't know if they meld well together super well, and I think in the end they probably didn't, but there's still a lot of really super interesting stuff there, uh, but I'll get into more detail about that, we'll do, we'll save that for the end of the show um, for that, but I mean, it's gonna be, when I say, quote, end of the show, the second half of this podcast is what's going to be, so, yeah, anyways. Um, I did go ahead and buy some games. Um, I am going to go ahead and play um, uh, a game called Farpoint on PlayStation VR, um, which if you don't know, this is a shooter on PSVR. And I actually don't know how Farpoint works, honestly, but like, it seems like it is more of a campaign style shooter. So it's not like a lot of shooters where it's like mostly a shooting gallery. Um, so I think it is maybe a little bit more in line with like a Half-Life Alex or Medal of Honor, th- things like that in PlayStation VR. Actually, I don't think Medal of Honor has a PSVR 1 or or Half-Life Alex. now that I think about it. I don't think either of those have PSVR 1 support. So um, if you don't know, I picked up a PSVR um, when I was in Japan because it was like 50 bucks. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. That's like a good price for me to get that because generally I think if I were to buy a, a more modern headset i would probably get something that's a bit more expensive um or more maybe i should say a bit more fully featured where the psvr seemed like a very budget um option in general but it is a platform that and i'm getting way off track here but it is a platform that i think has a really strong software library from a vr perspective because sony did invest quite a bit of money there um so i i think in the future i'd like to check out more psvr games but i i don't have any right now so this was a good excuse to finally buy one um but what's weird about farpoint specifically is that it includes, or I don't know if requires is the right word. It was bundled with a controller called the PSVR Aim Controller, which essentially is a gun controller. Um, I thought originally it was like a Wii Zapper situation where you're like putting the Wii Remote into the plastic and then that just kind of all connects with the Wii Remote in a way that, you know, lets you kind of utilize the PlayStation Move controller as, or the Wii Remote as a gun. Um, but no, in this case, it's actually its own unique gun. So you don't use the PS Move controller at all. Um, so I, I was reading online, and it looks like you can use the DualShock 4, but people basically said, you know, if you're in VR and you're trying to play it this way, you might as well use the controller. If you're using a DualShock, it's just not going to feel right because I think what you're doing, I could be wrong, but I think what you're doing is basically using the front part of the DualShock to aim the, the, the gun in the game, which, you know, with how you hold it doesn't really make as much sense like visually so 
Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. It wasn't that expensive. I got a used copy with the gun for about 40 bucks. So, you know, basically $20 for the gun, $20 for the game. The game is typically a bit cheaper around like $15. I think I, locally, I think I saw one for like $10 when I was out doing some game shopping. So, um, but yeah, it looks kind of neat. And uh, I think it's like five to six hours. And, uh, currently, um, my multiplayer group's going to go on hold for a little bit because, uh, somebody's going out to Japan here shortly. So, uh, Tokiden and Binary Domain are going to be on hold. So trying to figure out what other things we could play with the people within the group. And, and kind of with in, in that vein, although I don't know if we'll play it in the time frame, but I did finally pick up Tokyo Ghoul Re... What is it called? Tokyo Ghoul Recall Exist or something like that. The PlayStation 4 Tokyo Ghoul game. Um, We talked about this forever ago on the podcast. Um, it has a multiplayer mode and I know anime esports, which again, talked about forever ago on the podcast, but it's basically a group online who, uh, does competitive anime games like Kanagawa Jet Girls, Peach Peach Splash and things like that. Um, they, they were doing competitive online with this game as well, but there's a co-op kind of like survival mode. Um, so I was like, ah, I'll pick it up. So it, it got a little more expensive than I'd like from a physical copy. It is actually, it is actually on sale for $10 right now digitally um just like as a summer sale thing not as like a that's not a standard price it is still full retail price if you buy outside of the sale but the the disc or the physical copies were like 30 to 40 dollars where for a while you could get them for around like 15 to 20 so um probably a little bit more than i'd like to spend for that but it was a game that i had an interest in and i wouldn't mind checking it out um and i like i don't know anything about about tokyo ghoul i do kind of like the aesthetics of it though a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it was a mistake or not some point in the future. <laughs> um, and then I also picked up three uh, little uh, games that I just went and grabbed randomly at the store doing some, you know, off the shelf shopping. Um, one was Infinite Undiscovery. If you don't know, that was kind of one of the first Xbox 360 games I looked at and was like, I would like an Xbox 360 for this. And then I didn't get an Xbox 360 until the Xbox One was already out. So, uh, you know, just being on PlayStation. So Infinite Undiscovery, as far as I'm aware, 360 exclusive game still. Um, I didn't notice when they gave it to me, but it is a two disc game. And instead of like, they didn't have the proper case apparently. And so they just shoved the two discs on top of each other. And now when you open it up, the first disc falls out every time. So I got to look, maybe I have another 360 game. That's a two disc thing I can do a swap with. Cause I would probably care more about that than like, I don't know if there's like a, if I have like a, oh, I feel like I have some kind of like Ford racing game. That's like a two disc thing. Maybe. I don't know. I have to go look. Um, so I got that. Finally, and guess what? I'm not going to play it anytime soon. <laughs> um, and then I also picked up uh, two games for girls, uh, Barbie and the Three Musketeers, um, which is actually not that games for girly, actually. Um, when I looked up some, uh, well, I looked up some screenshots, really, because when I was looking at the back of the cover for this, it, it like it, it just kind of read to me as weird. Like you saw these like 3D models of Barbie fighting with a sword. But it didn't look like it was, you know, behind the back or something like that. It looked like side view, kind of maybe quick time of any kind of thing. And I was like, I wonder if this is what they're showing on the back because this is like the most visually exciting thing in the game. You know, this is a game being sold in, on the Wii in like 2008 or something like that, right? Something like that. Um, so like you probably are going to put the 3D graphics on there or the section of the end is like 3D. So I was a little suspicious, and so I went ahead and looked up some online gameplay, and it's actually like a two, 2D, like, platformer. Um, so I saw people online calling it, like, Metroidvania. I, I don't know if it's Metroidvania or not, based off what I saw. It looked, 
it looks less like Metroidvania and maybe a little bit more like Curse of the Moon kind of thing where like you have different paths that all kind of congregate together. But, you know, I haven't played it yet, but it's a very short game. Apparently it's like two hours long, but it looks pretty cool. Um, apparently it's been heavily talked about online already. It's like that situation with like Disney Princess Enchanted Journey where like I picked it up because I was like, oh, this looks kind of neat. And then I find out like, oh, Disney Princess Enchanted Journey is a massive thing that <laughs> I just didn't know about. So I'm not really, you know, breaking any new ground, going online, talking about it. So I, I would like to talk about that game maybe in a more formal capacity someday, but we'll, we'll see. So anyways, you know, two hour game. I probably will check it out just like if I'm having a night where I just want to chill and just get a quick game through um right now i'm trying not to do that um and try to focus on tokiden and Arkrise fantasia you know two longer games at this point so and the last game i got was divas on ice which is a game i looked at a while ago because i was curious about wii games that were games for girls and um diva on ice is basically um similar to the ice skating games on the nintendo ds but on the wii's essentially I'm trying to remember, there's like some particularly unique aspect to it, and I don't remember what it was that really caught my eye, but um, it does have Wii Balance Board support, but I still do not have a Wii Balance Board. I, I really should just buy one. They're like five bucks, but whenever you go to the store, they look so grungy, and I'm like, ugh, I don't know if I want it. <laughs> it's on my feet, my bare feet. Um, you know, I still don't know what happened to my mine. It just like disappeared into nothing uh, when I moved, so I'm just really curious where it is. Uh, but anyways, uh, that is something I just need to, you know, suck it up and, and do at some point probably. So anyways, that's the stuff I got. Pretty interesting set of things. I feel like good, good variety. I was like picking up a good variety of things. Shooter, two games for girls, random ass anime game, and then also infinite undiscovery. So, uh, I think I'll play White Knight Chronicles before I play Infinite Undiscovery, honestly. If I was to think about the JRPG, um, uh, pathway in my mind at this point, but Arkrise Fantasia is needing to get done first not that much further than that i haven't played it recently unfortunately i've been kind of busy so um get into some news uh final fantasy 10 kabuki show if you don't know this is that kabuki show that is based off final fantasy 10 it was airing uh, around the march and april time frame and i really wanted to go see it when i was in japan but unfortunately um it didn't like line up timeline wise uh, they haven't announced like a Blu-ray or anything for it yet, but they did go ahead and start making it available for rent online. Um, started on July 19th and that the, the period will, will end uh, on October 31st. So there's a limited time that you can go ahead and rent it. It's 5,100 yen, which right now for the conversion rate for those of you in the U.S. are as $35. So a little chunky, but as far as we're aware, Kabuki shows are longer shows. So, you know, it's probably not terrible, but it does suck paying 35 bucks or something you're going to rent. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's like, I'm trying to think of like, if there's a method that I could use to record that for myself, but anyways, there's, I, I, I've done stuff before where like, you're getting around HTPC or HTCP stuff using HDMI cables, these splitters and stuff like that. So I'm like, uh, can I, can I make that work? Um, anyway, so that's available now. The link will be in the description. If you're kind of curious about that, it has English subtitles. So, um, that is probably honestly the better way to consume it than it like me seeing it when I was in Japan. Part of me is kind of holding out that there's going to be a Blu-ray, but I know the Blu-ray is going to be incredibly expensive, and I don't know if they'll have English on it, right? So we'll see. I may, I may, I may, I may cave and and rent it here. Thirty-five dollars is not the worst. It's it's going to save me more money than going and seeing it in real life. Um, so so yeah. 
and more Square Enix news, Dragon's Champions. You know, we have, we've been following Dragon Quest Champions the last handful of weeks. If you don't know, this is the Dragon Quest Battle Royale game, um, which is really interesting as a turn-based Battle Royale game. It launched uh, around the beginning of June, June 13th, I think, specifically. So uh, we're getting pretty close to, well, we're past a month. So it's been online for about a month. Um, and we, I've been watching the sales chart and just kind of watching it sit at the top of the list. It's actually really surprising because I think the question I asked when Dragon Quest Champions was announced as a Battle Royale Dragon Quest game, turn-based Battle Royale Dragon Quest game, is like, who wants this? Who wants this? Apparently, a lot of people have wanted it so far at the very least. Um, apparently, between uh, June 13th and June 30th, um, it brought in $10 million in revenue. Uh, and you know, and if we want to set aside that kind of money stuff, what that really uh, means is that it is, uh, Square Enix's second best performing game in Japan, uh, mobile game in Japan at this time, as far as I can tell, I was, I was looking at a four gamer article. So again, machine translation stuff, you never really know, but as far as I could tell from all the graphs and stuff like that, and like, I can read some Japanese, so I can look at the ch graph and be like, oh, this is the Dragon Quest champions part of the graph, right? That's easy enough for me, but like, you know, their analysis of it kind of thing is, is a bit different, but anyway, so yeah, Dragon Quest, uh, walk takes, it makes up about 35% of their revenue between this period for, for their mobile games in Japan specifically, again, specifically in Japan. Um, and then Dragon Quest Champion was 31.5%. Um, Dragon Quest Walk being their Pokemon Go game that is bigger than Pokemon Go. <laughs> um, uh, the next closest thing after that is Romancing Saga. That's at 12%. So, you know, a pretty big jump there. So the big thing, you know, the big question is, is like, can they keep players engaged? Um, one thing I've thought a little bit about with this game is, you know, as a Battle Royale game, Battle Royale games typically, I think, don't have a lot of single player content. And Dragon Quest Champions does. And I'd be really curious to know how many people don't play the, like, traditional champions, like, Battle Royale mode and just do the story. So, um, part of me kind of wants to go back to that game. I don't know. It's just, like, I kind of feel like I got what I wanted out of it. I think the big question for me is how the monetization works because, you know, I could only kind of guess how it's going to work in the beta given you couldn't actually spend any money. Um, but you know, in, in, in reality, what is it, what does it look like getting gear when you're not just being funneled tons and tons of currency to test their systems? Right. Um, like I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm curious. Cause that game is very pay to win. Um, and it's kind of non, uh, or it's not really shy about that in a lot of ways. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about it, but anyways, maybe we'll check it out someday again, revisit it. It may be, maybe makes sense to wait a while and just kind of see where it's at, um, maybe like a year down the line or something, just kind of check out where it's at content-wise. But unless it's in English, I don't think I'll play through the single player, really. So, And the last news story here, uh, before we get into Jillian's question and then the Video Game Mental uh, Health and Wellness Summit, is uh, Retro Mystery Club Volume 1 is getting localized. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't know a lot about this game. It is one that I have seen for a long time. Who is announcing this is Shin Yudin. I don't know if that's the Japanese company or if that's like a localization company or what. I've never heard of Shin Yudin before. I think it is based on, on like Famicom games, not an actual Famicom game. Um, but the artist is the artist who does, uh, uh, Famitsu's art, um, Ky Kyukazu Arai or something like that. So... Um, it, it, looks, it looks interesting. I'd been kind of watching it for a while, but yeah, I didn't really know what it was for a long time. Um, anyway, so, uh, but yeah, it looks kind of neat and, uh, I'm glad they're bringing it over. Um, that kind of era of Japanese adventure game on like the Famicom is something that I feel like, um, 
I don't know. I feel like it, you know that stuff's been fan translated, right? There's like there's like an English version, I believe, or like an English fan translation of like Porto Porto whatever Portopia. I believe there is. There's also English versions like Famicom Detective Club and stuff like that. But I don't feel like that stuff gets talked about probably as much as it should. But you know, I don't know. I'm I'm in my own little circles here, right? So who knows? But anyways, it's cool that's coming over. I appreciate that they're doing that. It's coming over in August on PS4 and Switch. Um, August 24th. Yeah, August 24th. Anyways, that's it for the news. Nothing, like, huge this week. The I, I'm enjoying the Dragon Quest Champions check-ins, honestly. Um, and if I, if I have to watch that Final Fantasy X Kabuki thing, I'll definitely let you know. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Jillian, it's time for Jillian's Corner. If you don't know, Jillian supports us on Kofi. So she asks us some questions from time to time. If you want to support me on Kofi, um, <laughs> I know I'm, like, always changing the rules of this but you know, uh, you're all gonna ask me some questions there. It probably it probably makes sense to be like, if you're a Kofi supporter, you can ask questions. Um, that probably makes sense. I don't know. If you support me on Kofi, feel free to message me. And then if you don't support me on Kofi, feel free to message me as well. I don't care. Jillian asked a question. <laughs> um, uh, it's not actually. It's not really a. It's kind of a weird. It's not really a complete question. So so the statement is genre mashups that the world hasn't seen yet but should. Um, so, I mean, Dragon Quest Champions, I feel like was part of this, but, um, uh, I couldn't think of like too many. I feel like these days it's very rare. There are genres that have not been mashed up that much. I'm sure there are, but for the most part, I think you can find whatever. Um, but I was thinking recently, um, because I was following this one person on Twitter and I'll, I'll link his Twitter account in the, uh, the description cause I can't remember his name. Um, if you don't know, I follow a lot of doll people on, um, on Twitter, like people who do the like Japanese style dolls, they dress up and stuff. It's very cute. Um, and so, you know, sometimes that kind of gets intermingled with other like hobbyist or otaku kind of stuff. Right. So you'll have, you know, somebody who draw who does like the kind of Gothic Alita type dolls, but then you have somebody who does like dolls in military gear and things like that. Right. Um, so this person, this guy, um, is, was doing dolls in like, almost like, I don't know what you'd call it. Like it reminds me of like TV show or TV commercials for like vehicles and stuff. It's like a bunch of dolls who are like driving around in Jeeps off road. And then they had like a little uh, one where they're like on motorcycles driving around and stuff. And, and I kind of like the idea of like a racing game featuring like dolls, fashion dolls you can dress up or something like that. So I would appreciate that. Um, that was just on my mind uh, fairly recently. Um, but otherwise, I don't know if there's anything else that is like, I feel like I can think of off the top of my head that isn't just like specific franchises coming together anymore. But I, I'm, I'm always happy to see like weird genre mix ups. But, you know, when you're starting to mix things like, you know, turn based RPGs with like, you know, battle royale mechanics, um, I think, you know, anything can happen at this point. So, so I, I, I don't know where the limits of life are anymore with that stuff, but uh, a doll racing game where you dress up, I think that would be a uh, pretty, pretty cute and fun. So anyways, thank you again, Jillian, for your question. I appreciate that. Again, you can support me on Kofi in the links below. I was about to say a URL. And I don't know what the URL is. So anyways, and on to the final event here, video game and mental health and wellness or video game and mental health and wellness summit 
double ands, but one's an ampersand. The other one's a regular and. Um, this is an event that I've been like kind of eyeing up for a while because, A, there's not many video games he events here in Las Vegas. I know you're like, eh, but there's eSports and stuff. Yes, there is eSports events. <laughs> but like when it comes to non-eSports events, uh, not many video game events. Um, and I felt like the description was, was kind of vague in a way that I was like, I don't really know how mental health and video games are connected, right? I mean, I... I I understand there are ways you can can connect them, but how do you build a like convention kind of setup or, or something like that around that? Um, <laughs> and I don't necessarily know if 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 in the end it really had like a cohesive message in terms of like video game and mental health compared like together. It feels more like you had video game elements and mental health elements. And what I mean by that is there were like groups that were there to talk about mental health. And then there are groups over there to talk about video games and how they're talking about video games uh, could be related to mental health. Um, so it could be, you know, some kind of, you know, youth programs, uh, uh, support groups kind of stuff. Um, also uh, getting people, students involved and in, in on a career path and things like that. And some advice to help people like from, you know, getting into burnout and things like that. So that's a part of it. And I, and I should say there were panels during this event. I did not go to any of them. I did not know about them really until somebody told me as I was like leaving basically. So, um, but, um, so the, the mental health part, I didn't really find a lot of like gaming specific mental health things. Um, mostly it was like, we have like a pretty big Asian community here in, in Las Vegas, as far as I'm aware, at least. And, um, so it was like a healthcare for Asian communities kind of thing. Um, like, you know, providing, you know, support for, you know, kids going hungry or, or vaccine support for people and things like that. Um, there's also, uh, this group called the National Alliance of Mental Illness that were there as well. And they had like some pamphlets to help you with that. And then also like how you could be an advocate. They had like some programs and stuff you could join, but like none of that really had video game like connections to it. I did ask them, I was curious, like, how do you feel like this relates to a video game event? And they really didn't have an answer, which, you know, I think is perfectly fine and reasonable. I was just kind of curious. Um, but the, the ones that would probably most like maybe mental health oriented or wellness oriented kind of thing seem to be more of the student program stuff. So they had like a family technology center where you could basically go and, uh, you know, do some drone workshops, 3d printing stuff. They had like some, uh, uh, like events where you can just go play games and then also, um, they had esports events for Minecraft and Roblox. Uh, the, the Family Technology Center seemed to be aimed mostly at kids. There were some 18 plus um, programs there if you wanted to, but most of them seemed to be aimed at students who were still, you know, pre college level um, age range kind of thing. Um, but esports was a big part of this event as well. If you don't know, we have Evo here in, in Las Vegas. So the esports, I think, I don't know if Evo brought the esports here or if esports brought evo here i'm not sure but um there's like a a competitive scene kind of thing and there's a, quite a few companies here that were or groups i don't know if i want to call them all companies because i don't know if all of them are um but there are quite a few groups here that were here talking about uh esports one was uh velocity esports if you don't know velocity esports actually uh bought out a um GameWorks here, uh, the Sega GameWorks. I, I forget when this happened. It might have been like during COVID or something, but um, Sega basically sold their arcade to them and uh, they kind of moved in there. And if you go there, it is still more or less just the GameWorks overall, uh, but they do have like an esports section in the back kind of thing. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting is that they were having like a hiring table here. And I think, I feel like this was the only group I saw that was like trying to do like direct hiring here, but it was all very much like location staff kind of thing. So, 
you know, I, I got the impression that like most of the people here who are looking to get into the games business stuff were looking to get into, you know, video game development stuff. So I don't really know what their role was here um as as you know kind of local local group but i i think that you know they obviously kind of fit their video games and esports related right um and i think you know for someone who's younger maybe as like you know um you know right out of high school or or in high school uh you know doing a job at something like the velocity esports event would probably make a lot of sense um or esports place would probably make a lot of sense um i i don't know if they have any kind of like connection otherwise in terms of like if you do esports stuff here it might help you better um be able to go join other esports groups so there's a potential that there's like something like that as well i just don't know much about the program so um so i don't feel like there's like a lot that really came out of that other than just like hey do you want to work here and also um you know come check it out kind of thing um i i'm curious like how how profitable they've been being there i don't really know anything about how all these esports places you know do here in in las vegas but considering they're all around i assume i assume they're doing okay um there's another group called um oh gosh do i have the name here las vegas inferno um, and apparently this is the official esports group of Las Vegas. I was not aware of this. Um, and they actually, I was so confused when they were telling me about this originally, but I looked into it later. They were like, we have our own date that the mayor <laughs> signed in <laughs> called Inferno Day, which is January 6th, um, which is interesting. Um, but as far as I can tell, Inferno Day is basically just like the day they were founded, um, which was in 2020, basically. So that was kind of interesting. But um, yeah, they basically said they got kind of the official blessing um, of the the city that, that there would be kind of the esports group for this thing. So they, they seem actually like a fairly large organization. If you know who Las Vegas Inferno is, or I don't know if it, like Las Vegas Inferno is like a branch of just a greater company called Inferno. Um, I'd be curious to hear. So feel free to comment if you know about that. I don't know anything about esports. I'm just conveying what I'm, I'm getting at here. Um, I really should go to Evo. I need to buy the tickets for that because that's coming up here really shortly, though. Uh, I'll probably just go for one day. But anyways, um, so uh, yeah, so it's they just had like it was just interesting that the city like officially um, recognized this, which is kind of funny because there was like kind of this weird contrast where you had like this this like local support for this group, um, and and the lady I was talking to there was was kind of really emphasizing that like they are a local group and they are like you know very proud to be people in Las Vegas or whatever. Um, so, but, uh, but there, so there's also a UNLV esports club that was there <laughs> and the UNLV esports club was maybe me, my fo my favorite to talk to because it was just like a guy that was there. I mean, they were all just like guys and girls that were there basically. Right. But like, he kind of was just like, yeah, UNLV doesn't really support us. <laughs> like he's like, we don't get any scholarships. We don't get any like, uh, assistance like it's like it's a really uphill battle just to get them to pay for somebody to go and fly over to like do an esports event somewhere so they're kind of like we're trying to make a name for ourselves but unlv is not helping uh, us which is university of las vegas if you didn't know um which was really fascinating um to hear about and so like a part of my like back and forth between these two groups when i was talking to them was just like i mean i was talking to them separately but like learning about how a group like inferno lv if, there, if if a group like inferno lv is interested in like helping emphasize um you know kind of clubs at places like the like the, um, the unlv group or whatever and uh, i didn't really get a clear answer for her on that like i don't know if she even went and talked to them or, or anything like that at that event or you know 
you know what what their 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 reason is it seems like, like a lot of these esports things i mean and this might be because this event definitely had a lot of like kids that were there um was like we want kids to get involved with esports and we want it to be in a company or a, a group that i think in the case of inferno they are a company and then the unlv one's obviously like a, a, a club but we want to be get people started on you know getting engaged with esports early on whether that be, you know, somebody who actually goes on to be successful at esports, somebody who does esports as a hobby, or somebody who, um, you know, does other things in esports. And I guess maybe to some extent, Velocity Esports was kind of selling this as well, where, you know, they were basically saying that, you know, if you, if you want to get into commentary or logistics on the backside kind of thing, these groups would help you kind of get started and do that kind of thing so it was it was interesting to see that like infinite or inferno ha, it didn't seem like there's like a connection between those groups like i would think that given unlv is like a club kind of thing with that and i don't i don't know unlv's feeling on this but like like uh, you would think that there'd be like some connection there kind of thing um or at least some attempt at a connection there but you know maybe it just hasn't come come to to, to play at the moment and i also got the feeling that maybe inferno is more focused on young children not so much college so that that could have also been the other thing so um it was interesting with that and the last group that was there for esports was definitely felt a lot more like grassroots um is store rush storm rush gaming um i talked to the guy there for a little bit um and yeah basically they're just like a local esports group i, I don't know if i really got a lot of information from them i mean i think anything i said already kind of applies to them for the most part i think they technically are a company now um, when I was looking at them on online, I think they became an LLC, um, but they were a group. And so I, when I was talking to this guy, I was like, this dude seems super familiar. And I am almost certain that this guy was, um, I talked to him years and years ago at another event where he was talking about Mario Party Wars, which is competitive Mario Party. And I talked to him a while because I was like, what is competitive Mario Party and how how do people stay engaged with that when Mario Party from an outsider looks like a very non-skill oriented game, right? Um and and I and like I after I thought I was like, I am certain I talked to him and then I looked and yeah, they are the Mario Party Wars people. <laughs> so so like there's like part of me that's like, oh, that's cool that they've been around this long and they're still engaged and stuff. But again, kind of like a local group kind of thing. So it was, it was pretty cool to see that as well. So Anyways, um, you know, when it comes to esports stuff, it was interesting to see this kind of like consistent trend of like, how do we get kids into esports? Um, I don't really know necessarily know like what I mean from like a mental health and wellness thing. Obviously, when you get people in, involved in extracurricular activities, you know, they're less likely to get into trouble in other ways. Right. So, like, I think there's value there. Um, it, I, I think it was interesting to see that kind of like onboarding process be the focus there. Um of with kids but um like i said there's a lot of kids here so um it, it made a lot of sense another group of people that they were there uh typically seem to be like more of devs kind of thing um not only behind the booth but it also seemed like basically students like college students trying to get into development work um i believe some of those panels were focused on like how to get into the game industry as well um so there were some things like that but i sat down with a few de developers there um one was a fellow named uh, techno organic um, he has a lot of different VR games and things like that, that I was looking at. Um, he also did some like, uh, he's actually from Atlanta, um, which I was kind of surprised, um, but, uh, cause you know, I used to live over there, over in that direction, not in Atlanta, but that, that area. Um, and 
and he did like a, I guess, I, th- I think he called it a rap museum kind of thing, um, where you could basically go and like watch a bunch of rap videos in, in a VR environment kind of thing. But uh, apparently, like, I, I don't know any rappers, but like the, he was showing me what he was doing, and apparently, like, a bunch of rappers like engaged with it in, in at, like some event that happened, which was kind of cool. Um, but, uh, and he was like very excited and ecstatic about it. And I thought it was like, cool. I'm glad you're like being able to like, you know, use your skill set to get the attention of like someone who you, you kind of, you know, I don't know if look up to is the right word, but you know, excited to meet kind of thing. Right. Um, he also made something called Nushido Blade, which is a, I think it's a custom map for, um, Fortnite or like, I don't know how it works out exactly. Cause Fortnite has that like custom engine stuff now where you can mess with it. And I wasn't quite sure if it was a map or engine or what, and I haven't played Fortnite. So I don't know where the dividing lines are for these things. Um, but it was kind of interesting cause he, he basically said that like, he didn't want it to be so focused on, um, PVP. He wanted to be f- more focused on communicating. Um, but it was interesting because as far as I can tell, it was free for all. Um, you did not get points for killing other players, but you could kill other players. Um, and the goal was to basically, you know, just kill various like, uh, monsters and stuff and get to it. I think it was like a hundred kills or something like that. And some of the monsters or, or enemies, I, maybe is the better way to put them, um, were, were soldiers and you could actually talk to the soldiers and convert them to your side or whatever. And, and like how this actually plays out, it literally comes down to instead of shooting them, press E and click, you know, uh, become a part of my group or whatever so it's not like you're having a conversation with them right um but it it was an interesting um kind of uh, the like i think on paper when you look at it you wouldn't think too much of it but hearing his thought process of like trying to encourage communication between players and teaming up and then also with with the ai as well to to basically you know mostly fight the the like i think they're like rabid dog kind of enemies or something was was kind of interesting so yeah, he had some neat stuff there. Um, there's also a couple of educational things. Minecraft Minecraft Education Edition was there. Um, this is, as far as I'm aware, officially Microsoft-sponsored thing. Um, and it's basically used to help kids uh, get involved with game development and uh, using animation and things like that through Minecraft specifically. I did not spend a lot of time looking at this. This, this, this place was crowded, this particular station. Um, so I didn't get to talk to anybody really there. And there's a bunch of kids all over the place. And I, I didn't sit there and like look over their shoulders for very long, but it seems like basically a way to, you know, essentially get a little bit deeper than the customization Minecraft has and get more involved in like creating animations and things like that in Minecraft as well. Part of me wonders if some of this stuff came from the, um, Minecraft, uh, adventure series, uh, kind of thing was like the, I forget what it's called. Who was doing that? Some group did a Minecraft adventure series that came out that I heard was pretty good actually. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if like any of that, if there's any connection there, if it was just completely separate, cause it seemed to be very animation focused more than anything. So, um, this group also had something, and I, oh man, I wish I had the name of the group in front of me here. I'll try to pull it up here real quick while I'm talking about it. But, um, there was a, uh, another program called the Rude Goldberg, um, um, kit is, a, I think what it's called. It, it was a little confusing. The group is called clever, like. Uh, I think they're from Colorado specifically. Um, and as somebody who is like not engaged in game development stuff, it was a little confusing on exactly what the goal here, or maybe I should say what the goal was, but what, what this thing was. Cause they said it was like built within unreal engine, but the way he talked about it, I couldn't tell if he was telling me that you can build games in unreal engine, which you can do, 
or you can build gains within this Rude Goldberg kit. I had a really hard time making this differentiation in the conversation with him. When I was there, the way he talked about it felt like he was talking about it from like a, here's an onboarding program that is running in Unreal, but the UI and stuff is all different and things like that. And how it works is, is you like different from what, how Unreal works, right? But what I think it might be after looking after or looking uh, afterwards is it I think it is just a preset kit in Unreal Engine that you can use to learn how to use Unreal Engine, which might be why we had such a long conversation. And there's a lot of times where I would ask a question. And I feel like the answer I got would be completely different than what I'd expect. But yeah, it is basically like a rude gold burp machine but there's a lot of different pieces throughout it. i mean that's that's that is how those things work um and it seems like what the program is trying to get you to do is like try to manipulate the objects in the environment to get different things to happen and what, what it seems like the goal is is to get you started on how to interact with the software how to resize objects how to move their position how to you know change their shapes and things like that to get them what to do what you want to do you know using the physics engine that's integrated in there already. I, I assume there's like some kind of physics engine already in um, Unreal Engine or something like that, right? So like that that was the impression I got. Um, and it was trying to gamify it a little bit. I do think the gamification of it, whenever you say gamify, especially with like edutainment, um, I think you immediately kind of assume a lack of presentation. And like, it is a nice looking uh, kit, I will say. Like visually, it looks pretty nice. There's like on the table, there's like these nice little scratch marks and stuff that I really enjoyed. But when it comes to encouraging players to engage and like feel satisfaction from completing a task, I feel like that was not quite there. They had some things where like, if you dropped a ball in a bucket, there'd be like an explosion of confetti. Um, But... Like there wasn't like, like a lot of things just felt like it was on a checklist and you just kind of select the checklist of what you're trying to do. And then when you finished it, it would just kind of check it and say, you did it. And that was kind of it. And I think that's like a, a real challenge with, with edutainment games in general is like, how do you make this appealing like a video game? And I think that's like why Minecraft is so effective, right? Because it's a video game first, the edutainment stuff comes afterwards. I don't know if I, not, I don't know for Minecraft edu, edu or education edition or whatever it was called. Um, if that's the case or not. So, but yeah, I just had a hard time figuring out exactly what was going on here, but I think it's just like an unreal kit, um, called the Rude Goldberg kit. And you can basically use it, um, to just get an idea of how different things in unreal engine work and things like that. That is what I think it is after looking it up online later. When I was there in person, I thought he was showing me a development tool that was made to be easier built with an unreal engine. That's what I thought. But anyways, uh, he said it was like kind of a, um, kind of a, a good starting point for people. He said like usually around like age eight is where they feel comfortable, like giving them those tools. But I will say it looks complicated. So I don't know how I feel about that as an eight year old, but I don't know. I mean, like what did I do when I was eight? Make an RPG maker game. I don't know what that UI looks like, but I'm let, let me tell you, I messed it up real bad. And I remember eventually just getting to a broken point with my RPG maker thing. and was like, I think I'm okay with this being over. It <laughs> just never touched it again. I remember there's a dungeon that was just like a bunch, like a giant circle and you just ran around a circle for no reason. Great game design, Ben. <laughs> um, anyways. And the last thing that was there, unfortunately I didn't get to play it was a uh, five force fighter. Uh, it was like a guy who was just making straight up a video game. It is a fighting game. 
Um, and uh, I didn't get to see too much of it. He has like two characters right now. Um, and they're like basically based off himself and his brother. It sounds like I, I only like overheard some details. Um, otherwise, like it looks like kind of like a very standard kind of fighters, maybe like a skull girl style aesthetic um, with 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 no women, <laughs> at least so far. Um, but like it reminds me a little bit of skull girls and how it's animated and stuff. Um, and the uh, thing that I overheard that sounded interesting, but I could not see if it was interesting or not was um he said there's a break system so he's inspired by the final fantasy break system where you kind of do light attacks to go ahead and and break the enemy to do like more damage and things like make them more vulnerable so that was basically his 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 inspiration for how the battle system of that game worked i did not really get to see it that was probably the most popular booth probably because it was just straight up a video game people could play um and uh it was cool it looked, it looked like a, a really well made for for just essentially it sounds like two dudes just working on it um, in their spare time, um, kind of thing as they're in school. It sounds like maybe they started when they were in, in like high school. So, you know, it sounds like it's been going on a long time. They've been putting it together, but like what they have today, I think looks really good overall. Um, as a non-fighting game expert, I cannot say anything about how it plays. I mean, I didn't even get a chance to play it really. If I waited around long enough, I'm sure I would have, but, um, it felt like whenever people were playing, they were on there for a very long time. The round seemed very, very long, <laughs> um, but I don't, I, I was like not really looking super closely to see like how, how much of that was just like the players themselves versus, you know, just like how damage scaling works or something like that. Right. So it was, it was an interesting event. It reminds me a little bit of going to, um, you know, those like Disney edutainment centers. Um, we have one here in Las Vegas for what it's called some kind of science museum that has like edutainment games there too. As well as that one Sega Air Flight Sim game that's, like, really rare. Um, at least last I checked, there was just, like, an arcade machine for that. Just, like, sitting in, like... It was so bizarre. Man, I'm sure I talked about this on the podcast forever ago. But, like, this, whatever the Sega Flight Sim game is, like, there's only, like, a handful of them left in the world, apparently. It's, like, sitting inside of, like, a jungle gym. It's so strange. You, like, climb up a bunch of stuff and you end up there. And there's just a Sega Flight Sim just sitting there. And the controller doesn't work very well. But... <laughs> But it's just like, why is this here? Like, it seems like probably the worst thing to maintenance, honestly. But, you know, we'll just get some some nimble-fingered kids to go up there and, and, and work on it. So, I mean, I got up there and I'm like, a, at the time, I was like a 25-year-old man, right? So it was definitely doable. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious if it's still there or not. Because um, it just seemed like a really inconvenient spot to maintenance it. So... <laughs> Anyways, but I, I kind of like that stuff. I think it's like interesting. Um, but you know, as somebody who's just coming in to be like, I like video games, maybe not like the most interesting event or maybe I don't want to say no, not interesting. Like maybe it wasn't catered towards me specifically, but it seemed like it was doing a really good job with like, you know, getting kids excited for things as well as, uh, letting people network. I think that's the biggest thing. Networking between developers seemed like it's a lot of talking, a lot of business card exchanging and things like that. And I think that's just like super important. Right. So anyways, it was a cool event. Um, I'll be curious to see if they do it again. I joined both their discords, uh, uh, both their discord for that event. And then also for storm gaming as well. Cause I was kind of just curious what they're going to be doing in the future. So I did not do join whatever media inferno Las Vegas had, but, um, uh, they seem more of like a official like company kind of thing. So I, I, I don't think I feel as like, um, interested in staying connected with what they're doing despite them being the official esports league of las vegas so but the the more community focused stuff i think i'm more interested in so anyways that's it for this week thanks for coming one is the website um the asphalt urban gt review went up on the ocp plus channel last week 
So go check that out if you want. I, I really like Asphalt Urban GT, and I think that game is one of the greatest, not greatest, one good example of, uh, you know, how, you know, your prejudice can kind of, like, make you over uh, underestimate a game and then, like, get really blown away when it's, like, this really well-made thing. And, yeah, I, I kind of stand by that it's, like, way better than Ridge Racer DS. I can't speak for the original Ridge Racer, but Ridge Racer DS, which is based off Ridge Racer 64. But as far as I can tell, Ridge Racer DS kind of has some weird technical jank to it as well. So, anyways, I thought it was a really great game. Um, that's there. I think the Monolith Soft ranking video should be out uh, this upcoming week here. So, you know, go ahead and check that out. That's going to include, I think, Future Redeemed future connected and re-ranking Xeno games. So that video is going to go up this, this upcoming week here. I think that's the last of the old Kofi videos that haven't come out. There is the Animal Crossing video. I need to think about that video more. I know I've promised it so many times. It's done, but I don't like it. There's things I don't like about it. And I want to go ahead and I, I think it is an interesting enough topic that I want to do it the right way not put it out um so maybe eventually i'll put that original one out just so you guys can see what it looks like but i would only do it i think after i reworked it assuming i rework it and make it make it work if i don't ever rework it then i'll just pop that thing out and be like hey this is the thing i made and i did not like it you might like it but i don't so um so yeah but uh we'll see anyways that is all i hope you guys have a great weekend week sorry i'm, I'm recording this on a friday again like a good boy so i'm doing it not at 1 a.m on a sunday at night so one day i'm on a monday <laughs> um so so i'm recording this early but you know you guys will be hearing this on monday so enjoy yourself this monday also don't forget to check out the pcfx podcast if you didn't check that out go check out my interview with bobo a graphic design artist at the pcfx or at hunex in the late 90s so anyways thank you again bye